Glory to God. It's such a blessing for me to minister to you today and just to bring you the word of God's grace, the message that will never change and that you can hear it again today. Uh, the vision that I have here at Dynamic Love Ministries and our passion is not to change the message, but to continue to preach the very same message every year, to continue to preach the love of God, the grace of God and what He has done with an open heart to understand more and see deeper into the goodness and the kindness of God towards us. Amen. Now before I get into the message, I would just like to thank every person that has just supported this ministry in 2017. Sometimes I feel I don't uh, thank you guys enough. You know, I've, I many times forget about it, don't even think about it, just think of, of what I want to do in the ministry. And you guys have just been faithful in giving and supporting this, this ministry. And those people that are faithfully sharing the gospel online and with people, thank you so much for that. It's really highly appreciated. Your, um, your support has just blessed us. And the wonderful thing about it is that it is not born from manipulation or control, but just something that is born from a heart of generosity. So as you have given towards this ministry in this year, and there are many people that has given on a monthly basis, people that has given once off in this year, people that give annually, uh, thank you so much for your financial contribution, as well as just your moral support of this ministry. Uh, the people that you, when you go onto Facebook and you click a like or you share a video, those things are just wonderful and it's a blessing to see the fruit of the gospel and just how you are part of this ministry. I also want to thank all the web pastors and uh, just publicly thank all of you just for what you've done in 2017 and how you've loved upon people, how you guys have loved me and how I know that in uh, some of your lives you were going through difficult times, lo losing loved ones, going through difficult times, having challenges of your own, yet you, uh, the, the grace of God has empowered you and you stuck and, and you were faithful to the good news and we could see the faithfulness of God manifest inside you. I want to just say I appreciate uh, all of you. It is wonderful to be part of an internet family where we know that there are people that are hearing the good news and their lives uh, changed, their lives, I can actually use the word, their lives didn't change, their lives manifested, the true life that is inside them. And just to see how this message has empowered people, now we can see the kingdom of God manifest in people's lives. So before I uh, get into the message, I just wanted to thank you guys and I also want to pray for you. Let us just pray together. Father, I want to thank you that I can pray for all the supporters of Dynamic Love Ministries that has faithfully supported this ministry in living the heart that you've put inside them. I'm grateful for them and I thank you, Lord, that I know that there are people that gave to this ministry, that gave out of the abundance of what you have given them and they've blessed this ministry. Thank you for that, Lord, and the spreading of the gospel and just blessed Eliana and me, even not thinking of spreading the gospel, just loving on us. Thank you for that, Lord. And then there are people that gave and they were in deep need and out of poverty. They gave to this ministry um, with love in their heart. And I want to thank you, Father, for what I, when I look at those people, especially the poor that gave, 
I, I see your kingdom that is greater than the powers of this world, greater than the fears of this world. Thank you so much for that, Lord, and that we can see and see the fruit that is abounding to their account, the, the good word of what God can do in a person's heart where the love for others can supersede fears for what can happen in this world, the fears of not having and so forth. And Father, thank you for the family that you have provided for us via the internet, uh, people that are all over the world spreading this message. Glory to God. And thank you, Father, that I can sit here today and minister to them. And I want to say to you, Lord, in front of all of them, that I realize the responsibility. I realize uh, what the, the love that you have for them, and that they are your people. And I thank you, Lord, that you will always continue to empower me to minister to them in a way where they can always give glory unto you. Amen and amen. Well, uh, my heart is really touched if I see, if I look back in the year and I see what God has done in people's lives. And that is what we want to see in the year to come. Now, when it comes to the end of the year, like I've said in the introduction part um, of the message and the communion part, that when it comes to the end of the year and the beginning of a new year, in the traditional charismatic circles that I've been in, it was always, what is, what's God's new word? And what is the fresh manna that is going to come from heaven? And I remember always thinking, you know, God, I need to have fresh manna. And uh, many preachers, preachers that are watching this message, I think some of the, most of the preachers will be preaching now while I'm preaching, you know, in their churches. But if you watch this later on, preachers, we can so easily fall into the trap of thinking we need to produce a new word in 2018. We need to have a deeper revelation. We look at preachers that is on, excuse me, on television or uh, some of you, you might look at me, we might look at some theologians, we might look at people that God has gifted to understand the scriptures and we look at what they share and then we feel, well, if I don't get a deeper word or a, a greater revelation, then I don't have a ministry. And what are the people going to think if I just preach the same message again? Uh, well, I've got good news for you. There is only one message. There's just the simplistic message of God that has conquered sin and death and that manifests His life in His people and so is manifesting His kingdom in the earth in those that believe. That is the beginning and the end of the gospel. And all of that He does because He loves us. There is no greater message. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And there's nothing more. And I would say the, the, um, <clears throat> the thing when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to good news, is to stick to the gospel of grace and not change. The challenge that there was for Jesus when he was in the desert was to prove his sonship by his works or to find a more sure word than the word that came from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We cannot believe in um, uh, uh, circumstances. We cannot have our faith in our circumstances. We have our faith in what God has done for us in Christ. Although we see a change in our circumstances, although we see good things coming our way, we cannot have that as the foundation of who and what we are. So I want to encourage preachers, first of all today, when it comes to the whole message of the fresh manna and what is the new thing that we're going to have for next year, 
I want to say to those of you that listen to this, that preach the law message, there is something new for you in 2018, and that is to grab a hold of the grace of God and what He's done and to start to preach that. And then I want to say to those that already believe the good news that the key for this year to come is to stick to this message and to ask God and open your heart and say, Lord, show me the depths of this truth that your heart becomes so established in this that it becomes it becomes part of every fiber of your being that can never change. And that that will be the only truth you believe in. So um, when it comes to fresh man, and I want to just talk about that fresh manna thing from Numbers here. The way I see fresh manna is the people went every day and every day they had to go and get manna and they couldn't keep manna over for the next day because the manna would rot. Uh, but only on the Sabbath the manna would last another day and they could only have a certain amount of manna per person. And like those of you know in my book Jesus is the Tithe, I spoke on this manna and what it actually talks about. The manna talks about the bread that came from heaven. And that manna, you couldn't just go out and eat manna. Every man had a certain measure of manna. And that measure was an omer of manna. And an omer was a tithe of an ephah. So that manna had to be put in an omer, which means to be chastised. It had to be chastised and put on Golgotha. That is the meaning of that pot it was put in. And every day you had to go and get fresh manna, meaning, and this is how the manna worked, the manna fell from heaven and fell on earth. And then as it fell on earth, that manna had to be put in that pot which signified Golgotha and to be beaten with a whip, to be chastised. That's what it means. So the way I see fresh manna is, to every day go and take what God has given from heaven and, and apply it to the earth. God takes the manna, puts it on the earth, and on the earth it is chastised, it put, is put on Golgotha, and it, is, it was beaten. And every day we freshly look at how God applies Jesus to this earth, how God comes, gives His Son, and applies the death and the resurrection of Christ to this world. That is what we do. We cannot go into any other revelation but that revelation. The only revelation there is, is the revelation of how God applied Jesus to this world and how the death and the resurrection applies to me. That is what we do. So, in 2018, we can take that as true for every day, but we can also take it as true for every year. So in this year, all you're going to hear from Dynamic Love Ministries is how Jesus came to the earth and how uh, He died and how He was chastised for me personally. That's what it means. And what that brings into the earth. What is the promised land that we can move into? And if you go and read from Numbers 21, and I'm going to do that, <clears throat> Numbers 21, let me just go there quickly. Well, I, I mean, you guys know the, know the whole thing. Let me just quickly re re refresh you. I'm not going to read that. It's going to take too much time. I want to spend some time on, on Isaiah there. But when we think of Numbers, you remember when the people came and they were in the desert, and then the manna fell, and then the Bible says, they said, we want true bread. 
They actually wanted meat. And they says, we don't want this light bread that falls from heaven. Our souls loathes this bread. They actually says, we hate this bread. We don't want this light bread that falls from heaven. And immediately, fiery serpents came and bit them. And what it talks about is, the moment we are not at the place where we every day apply, take how Christ is applied to the earth and how he died and was uh, beaten and how he was resurrected and the consequences of that and what it brings to me, if we don't want to do that anymore, what happens? The serpent comes and he bites us. What is the bite of the serpent? The bite of the serpent is very simple. It's the poison that comes out of the mouth of the devil. It's the poison that comes out and that is called legalism and law. And that will poison your whole thought pattern. It will poison your way of thinking and it will destroy you. So the most important thing that I would think in a ministry is to stick to the simplistic message of God loves people. He cares for people. He's not mindful of their sin. He's not mindful of their shortcoming every day, but he's mindful of their value and he wants to redeem their value and he wants to apply the end of the old and the beginning of the new on their heart and in their life. That is what I believe every ministry should revolve around. And there are different gifts, there are different ways of communicating this, but that is what I believe fresh manna is. Fresh manna is every day looking again at the very same thing that gave you life yesterday. And that is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what it is. Fresh manner is not to try and find some um, new revelation that, that's different to anything that anybody has ever seen, wherein you feel that you are now the man of God with the power for the hour. That's not going to help anybody. So for those of you that are ministers, I've got good news for you. If you want to measure, uh, if you want to measure, if you are on the right path, simply measure this way. Is your message about how God came to earth, how Jesus died, and how he rose again, and is that applied to the individual's life so that he can find life from it? That is it. So go every day and get the very same manner and apply it afresh to people's lives every Sunday. Glory to God. Now, um, I want to talk today a little bit about the phases I w went through in Christianity. The first thing that happened to me in 1998 is I received Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. After I received Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, it wasn't long before I fell deeply into the law. The reason why I fell deeply into the law was simply because of my lack of understanding of the gospel. And in this lack of understanding of the gospel, I would go to churches and read the gospel from uh, because I wasn't tutored in a good way. I didn't understand the, actually what the gospel really was. I just thought, well, I was a sinner. I would drink some alcohol. I would um, walk in lust. I would do some bad things. And now... Um, and I would say swear words and curse and cuss and those kind of things. And then somebody came and said to me, you can accept Jesus and he can save you. And then I understood that salvation as well. Um, I don't have to burn in hell anymore. I can go to heaven and then I accepted Jesus as my savior. I was very excited, but I didn't have knowledge in what I got saved into. Neither did I understand the dynamics of it. 
And that's why I could quickly fall away on, um, and, and thorns and thistles would come up and choke the seed in my life. And I found that I became very legalistic. Now, we need to understand that that is a phase that many people are in. You might have friends that received the Lord and that are now in that phase of feeling very legalistic and law-minded. And it's not our job to judge those people. All that we can do is love upon them and be who we are. What they go through and who they are can never be the source of our life. We continue to look at the manna that fell from heaven. And we apply that and we see who we are, how much God loves us, how much God loves them. And from there, God gives forth a love and a, light, a love for them. Now, the next step uh, in my life, and it took some years, was when I started to realize that God doesn't look at my works, but that He loves me uh, just for who I am. He loves Bertie Brits and that He doesn't judge me by my works and that He doesn't want me to be saved by the law. I started to understand righteousness by faith. I would say that was the next phase, next major phase in my life. This first phase had different stages to it as well, which I don't want to get into. But this one, and I would say that was when things started to go well with me. I started to just feel joy um, at home, uh, joy wherever I go, although I even, was even persecuted for preaching that through the obedience of one, many are made righteous. And that Jesus died and that He was raised, and that I am now seen as righteous. And I was so happy. The joy that was in my heart was the joy that, and it's still in my heart, is the joy that God is not angry with me. That God doesn't look at me, uh, look at my works. That He doesn't judge me according to my sins. That the sins has passed away. Everything has become new. That I am now, I've got a seat in the Godhead, in the Trinity with Christ and all of those kind of things. And I was so happy that I can now go to heaven although I've got some mistakes. And it was almost as if there was a belief in me, doesn't matter what I do, God would still love me. And that was to me the good news. And, what, and it is good news. It's good news to know that God loves you. It's good news to know that you don't have to be saved by your works. It's good news to know that God doesn't confuse you with what you do. It was good news to me. But I want to say that is also a phase in my life. It was a place wherein I... It, it's, it's almost a place where you test the boundaries of how much God loves you. You know, it's like... Well, it doesn't matter what I do. God loves me. And even if you would do some things which you know is not beneficial for you or those around you, it doesn't matter because God loves me. But as you continue with that, you feel that, well, um, there's something wrong. It is not, this cannot be it. I know that God loves me. I, I know that God is good to me. But still you feel that is this the life, this life that I'm living now, is this what God can give me in Christ? Is this the highest quality of life? And you feel that need for something and you don't know what it is because you already know now, I'm in the grace message. I'm in the love of God message. And that is what I want to uh, get to today. If you look at John 3.16, it says there, for um, it, it, it says that God loves me. And the good news to me was that God loves me. For God so loved the world. Yes, God loves the world. It doesn't say God loves the church. 
says, God loves the world. And that was my joy. And that was what my whole gospel was about. And you might today still be at that place. And uh, where that is, your, the greatness of your joy surrounds around the fact that God loves you. And it is wonderful, and it is good, and it is true. Yet there is something else. There's something bigger. There's something greater. You might say, what can be greater than God loving us? I want to explain to you what is greater. It is to have that love defined and to know what that love amounts to and what it brings to you. Because if I sit here and my son is on drugs and my son knows that he love, I love him, wherever he is on drugs or wherever he is uh, busy with whatsoever is not right or lost somewhere and he knows I love him, yes, it's good because at least he now can come home. But the goodness is that I love him so much that when he comes home, that I can restore his life. That is what John 3.16 says. And I, there was a phase in my life when I understood that the love of God was uh, him making me righteous, him taking away my sin, him seeing me as, as innocent, him seeing me as, uh, as his own, and so forth. And it just gave me a brand new identity. It gave me strength. Yet there was something else, something more. Because, you know, it's, um, I, I took my son on a motorbike trip. And he was, as he was with me on the trip, uh, we, I, I only have one motorbike. So he was sitting on the back. I was riding and we were doing over, well, he was with me about 6,000 something kilometers on the bike. I did over 7,000. But as we were going together, the first part was very tiresome for him because he was ill and all those kind of things. And, and he wasn't riding fit. He, he's basically never on the motorbike. So it was difficult for him the first part. But then towards the end, he says, Dad, I want my own motorbike. I also want a bike. I also want to ride. You see, there's a difference between somebody that's just enjoying the ride with you and actually also sharing in what you are sharing. The only time when they will feel what it feels like for me to ride the motorbike is if they have their own bike. That's the only time where they will actually share in what I have uh, is if they have their own. And I think in the very same way is I was feeling God loves me and God cares for me, but I'm I'm not sharing in his life. I'm not feeling how does it feel to love and to be kind and to be good. I'm not sharing in his kingdom. And I've come to realize, and this is the last part that I want to talk about here today, and I'm going to go a bit more in depth in this, is that the scripture says in John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that we should not perish but have eternal life. Let me read that. <clears throat> if you say to me, you love me, then I would say to you, so what do you give me? Because your love will be defined on how I can benefit from that. That is how love works. And here it says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, the way I understood condemn was that God loved me so much that he, doesn't, he will not condemn me. Condemn defined as that I don't have to feel guilty. 
which is also true. But the true context of condemn here means to kill. He says, God so loved the world and he didn't come to destroy or to kill the world, but he came to give them life. They were part of a system that kills them and destroys them, but he loves them so much that he says, I cannot see that they would die. I cannot see my future without them. I want them with me. That is what he was saying, and that was what was in his heart. And therefore he said, I would come and I would redeem them to share in my quality of life. And that is what I would say is what I feel is happening to my heart. It's the same gospel, but I'm going into a place, and this is where, and since that's where my heart moves into, and I'm sure you guys have heard this already in the last year and a half, two years, but it will just be more so in this year to come, is... And since I move into that, I, I cannot but preach what is in my heart and what God is busy with doing in my life. So what I'm going to minister in this year to come is this part wherein we are talking about God bearing fruit in our lives, where we are not on the back seat anymore taking a ride with God, but where God has inspired us and empowered us to ride with Him. In other words, He's still leading, He's still taking, taking the lead, but we're riding with Him in a way where we can experience His kindness and His goodness and His love, not just as towards us, but also in us and through us. Not by the law or by well, you know, I'm now a mature Christian, I must now start to love people, but as a fruit of beholding is unconditional love. So in 2018, what I'm seeing is that we will continue to hear the love of God and how good He is and how unconditional His love is as pertaining to the law and how conditional His love is as pertaining to value, which I will quickly explain for those who, who watch for the first time, um, and how we will... Uh, then experience it to the point where we say as the church, Lord, I am not afraid of fruit anymore. I'm not afraid of seeing a manifestation of who you are in me, given that it's by your doing and not my doing. Because what I found is there was a stage in my life, the, the, the stage that I just moved out of, was a time where I would be scared, of, scared to hear about good fruit. And the reason I would be scared about that was because I was still not understanding that it is something that God brings forth. Neither was I understanding that I understand that it was my destiny. The Bible says we have been created unto good works. We are His workmanship created unto good works. That means He is the creator and He will create you unto the good works. It's not your effort. It's not your work. It's your destiny by His doing. Let me put it this way. And this is how it came to me a, a couple of years ago. It was, <clears throat> if, if I'm afraid of loving people, then heaven would be a bad place for me. Because in heaven there's only love. If I'm afraid of being generous, then I shouldn't go to heaven. Because... In heaven, you're only generous. And now we are even saying in church that heaven is now coming to earth. So what that means is, 
is that that life which you will have in heaven, which we always preached as something we can just have in heaven, is now by the power of the Almighty God, by His Spirit manifesting His kingdom in us, coming to our hearts wherein we can joyously share in that. Like Jesus said, He said, count it all joy when you're persecuted for righteousness. Let that be a happy thing because you are now actually sharing in the quality of life that I have. Now that might sound, and I've, I've seen, I mean any preacher doesn't want people to not listen to his teachings. And if I'm just, you guys know, I'm just honest in, in my preaching. I don't want people to say, well, I don't want to listen to Baptist message anymore because he's now preaching about the fruit and I'm not ready for the fruit now. Or maybe he's becoming legalistic or something like that. I, I don't want that. But I want to say this. If it is that some people are going to turn away from this, what can I do? It is the truth. It is the gospel. It is the very good news that the only eternal life that there exists is now being shared with those who believes and wants it. And I've, God has uh, uh, convinced my heart so much of love and kindness and peace and goodness and generosity and those kind of things as the highest quality of life that I've come to a place more than ever before in my life where I'm saying, Lord, I am entering into it. I have already entered into it and I am more than ever ready to enter into the fullness of this by your goodness. And I'm available for the manifestation of it. And that will be by your grace and not by my works. For I know that you love me. You know, God didn't start to love us when Jesus died. God didn't start to love us when Jesus was raised. Now that God starts to see you as the victim of sin and death when Jesus died and when he was raised, he saw you as His long before Jesus died. He gave His, his Son for whom? For His sheep. He even said that He's got sheep of a fold we know nothing of, or that the Jews knew nothing of. And He called the Gentiles His sheep. The problem is, is that the whole world belongs to God. And we don't see that. We see that we think that, you you, that all people on the earth are goats, and then they become sheep, the moment they believe. No, all people are the sheep and those who believe will not be lost anymore and the goats would then be seen as those who refuse to believe the good news of Jesus Christ. That is it. And the good news is that he's got two sons. The one son was working at home, which was Israel, and the other son was lost, which was the Gentiles, but they were still sons. They were just lost sons. And the father's love, when the sons were lost, or when the son was lost, or when the other son was in works, didn't change. He loved the sons as much. It was the father had the fatted calf already ready for the lost son. He, he loves his children. He values them. He sees them as his own. He sees them as, as valuable and everything you can imagine. The father's heart is never closed to a person that is lost and in sin. Yet the father loves that person and wants to share his life with them. 
It's like if I enjoy something, in, and, and we've seen that many times in our lives. If you enjoy something, you take a picture. And then you want to send that picture to someone. Why? Because you want that person to feel what you feel like when you took that picture. It's like in my case, I like HDR photography. I don't know if you know what, it's high dynamic range. It, it looks almost like a painting, overexposed colors, um, you know, a high contrast. It almost doesn't look real. I would take a picture like that and then I would edit it and I will put it on Facebook and people say, wow, it's beautiful. And then Elena said, says to me, and she's meant time said to me, she says, but that is fake. It looks fake. And it does look fake. But the way wherein I edit that, I edit in a way so that when somebody look at it, that they will not see where I was, but they can feel what I felt when I saw that. That's why I have to make it in a way that people can see what I feel. And that's exactly what I feel where God's heart is. God knows what it feels like to see all people as valuable. He knows what it feels like to see someone as va so valuable that he's willing to give of himself and his own life to, uh, to benefit that person. And do you know what? That way of living is the only way that can last. The world system, the way it's working today, our, today our, our dem system of democracy, communism, all these isms and whatever, our wars and everything we do. I've got news for you. Those systems cannot last forever. The only system that can last forever is a self-sacrificial love system, which no man can copy which can only be born from God when the person who beholds it sees his life united with that life and where the only God that, may, that is self-sacrificing gives his life for us and where he duplicates that life in us where it becomes life to us. That is the only system that will last on the earth. That is the only way that will be forever. Every other system will end. I want to tell you, all these systems of we're going to shoot the Muslims, and the Muslims are going to bomb this, and we're going to protect us with guns. And at the end of the day, when Jesus comes back, it, it, will, it will die. It is not an eternal system. You can quote scripture until you're blue in the face. You can be angry with me. You can stick to your guns. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. The truth is that the, that which Jesus has shown, which was, I am not defending myself, but I believe in the God that will justify me with life. That proves to be greater than death itself. And that is the very thing that God is bringing forth in our lives. And that's what I am expecting and what I'm moving into, into preaching and sharing in, uh, in our church. And those of you that want to walk the path with me, you are welcome. But that is what I'm seeing, and I, that's what I want to experience. Why, and I've said it before, why could Jesus go to Jerusalem and fall down on his knees and weep and say, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, those who kill the prophets, those who will stone the Son of God, 
why could Jesus have tears in his eyes and say, like a hen gathers her chicks, I wanted to gather you. I give my life to my own who don't even recognize me. Why could he on the cross, while they nail him to the cross, say, Father, forgive them. And he can do that not out of a, the shallowness of obeying a command that says you shall love your neighbor, but out of a love that is born in his heart, that is greater than the situation, yet I have to behold that quality of life and then follow a law and try and copy it. No. God has not dreamt for us to behold the life of God and copy His life. God has dreamt for us to come and live in us, and the only way He can live in us is through our belief, where we can see ourselves in Him and see Him in us. Glory to God. That is, that is it. So that's what we're going to go into. And then I want to, in the last 10, 15 minutes, go to Isaiah here. And um, remember last week when we spoke about, the, when I gave the Christmas message, I said I'm going to continue with this a little bit. And let's get into that. Before I get into that, let's just summarize. <clears throat> this is what I want you to grab from this first part of the message. There are phases that I've walked through and by my experience, I will say, I believe that there are many people that will also walk through that. If you're at a place where you still feel well, um, where you're still under the law. Just open your heart and say, Lord, show me your grace. Those of you that are under grace and you are so, you are still actually rebelling against the old system. Don't think that you're not on the path or that God is against you now or anything like that. That's where you are. Just keep your heart open. Have your mind focused on the message of God's grace. And then you get to a place where you start to say, Lord, I'm so grateful that you love me. I'm so grateful that I'm the apple of your eye. I'm so grateful that you always care for me. Yet I see the quality of life that you have, wherein you can see a person that is in the midst of all of this and love him like that. But I also want to share in that life. I also want to have that. I want to see that manifest, but I know God. I cannot do it by my works. It's not a law thing. God doesn't command us to live this way. He promises us that life. Amen. And where we open for that and start. And that is the next thing. And I think the last place then would be where we actually experience and walk in that life more and more and more until we see the day of the return of Jesus Christ and immortality manifest and the glorification of human bodies and this physical planet. Since this planet has always been the plan of God. Amen. So, um, continuing into this, in, into the last phase that I want to share about here, it is, it talks in, in verse 2 here, it says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, Isaiah 9 verse 2. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has this light shined. You have multiplied the nations and increased their joy. They joy before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoils. So it says here that God has increased the nations. The Jews didn't want to hear this. Um, be, why? Uh, uh, why would it say He's increased the nations? Because all of a sudden, all nations are now part of the redemption plan, and it's for all people, and it's made clear, and that the Jews weren't now the special people of God anymore, but that humanity is God's man. And then it goes on, it says in verse for it says, For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder. 
the rod of the, the oppressor, as in the day of Midian, for every battle of the warrior is with a great noise, the garments rolled in blood, but this shall be to the burning and the fuel of fire. And when I read it from the Septuagint, it says, For they shall compensate for every garment that has been acquired by deceit, and all raiment with restoration, and they shall be willing, even if they were burnt with fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, or in, in the Greek it says this, Wonderful on account of the act of salvation, counselor or a messenger of great advice and purpose, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government or his rule or his dominion, and peace and harmony between him and us, there shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment. Now I want to say this, this is what this means. What he is saying is that man was walking in the darkness of works righteousness. In the darkness of we and the church walked in a darkness when they thought that they must advance the kingdom of God in the earth. You don't have to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. God has already put the whole earth under his dominion. And he is now persuading people of his dominion. And as people believe upon this, we see this dominion and this rulership, which is already there, starting to manifest and be established in the earth by God. It is not our work as the church to try to establish the kingdom of God in the earth. It is God in Jesus bringing forth and manifesting the kingdom in those who believe in Jesus. So, for me and for you, when it, let's make it very practical. Maybe you've had fear when it comes to your finances, fear when it comes to your children, fear when it comes to your money. Man, I tell you, I've seen it so many times. The rich, the poor has got fear because they don't know if they're ever going to get money. The rich, they are afraid because they don't know how they're gonna, when they're going to lose their money. Then they invest their money and the way they invest their money, they are so scared because in all the places where they've invested their money, the safer the investment is, the less interest you get. And it's like we don't even know if the dollar is going to stay strong. We don't even know if gold is going to... We just thought gold was the biggest thing. Then we find Bitcoin coming. And then we find other cryptocurrencies. And then we find this. And then we find this world system cannot provide peace for you. But what God is saying here is that is a burden that's upon your neck. It says here, for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod or that which was beating you of the oppressor in Midian. He says here that he, it is the job of God to end your fear. It's not your job to decide not to fear because you're a Christian. It is the job of God to stop fear in your heart. It is the job of God to bring forth holiness in your, in your life. And that is what it says here. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. That shoulder there is the word neck. The, uh, the yoke. The yoke 
to govern us into holiness and righteousness and bring forth righteousness forth in the earth is not on your neck. It's not on the neck of the preacher. It's not on the neck of the father or the mother or the child. It is on the neck of Jesus. It is for Jesus to make you holy. And that making holy, not a theory wherein you're just seen as holy, but wherein what you are seen as in Christ is manifested in your life by the doing of God and wherein we are open for it because we are so at ease in the presence of a loving God that we, that we feel comfortable with Him manifesting His life in us. You know, if you want to have open heart surgery, the only way where you will go into that operation is if you trust the doctor. Unless you trust the doctor and trust the scum by knowing how many successful operations he's made, you will not go into that operating theater with peace in your heart. Only when you know that he is not going to hurt you, he's not going to want to kill you, he's not going to try and prove a point, he's not, it's not an ego thing for him, he's just going to do his job and he's a stable person, only then will you have peace. In the very same way with the message of the gospel. The more we hear that God loves us, the more we hear He doesn't look at our sin, the more we hear He doesn't judge us, the more we hear that He brings us life, our hearts become comfortable with this heart transplant that He's bringing forth, which He says, this is what I want to bring to you. It is the better life. It's the, it's the best, like forgiveness. If somebody frustrates you, Let's, you know, sometimes when I get upset, somebody makes me upset and I think, man, this guy, if he does that, I'm taking him to court. Now, you can take him to court and win the case and be very tired. But you would have found that peace wouldn't come even after you've won the court case. Peace only comes after you've forgiven him. But why? Because it's the highest life. But that life of forgiveness is not possible outside of God bringing it forth in you. Amen. And that is the good news. And that is what he's saying here. He is, and I'm ending off with this, he's got a government, he's got a kingdom. Of the increase of this government, there is no end. We think of the increase of evil on the earth, there is no end. Rubbish. Of the increase of his government, there is no end, but there's an end to the increase of the devil's kingdom. There's an end to the increase of selfishness. There's an end to the increase of self-righteousness. There's an end to all of that. That's why God says, he says, the kingdom of saved by your works cannot last forever. So don't live in that kingdom that you perish with that kingdom, but become part of a kingdom which is forever and God will be the master by his spirit. He will bring this forth in you and you will have eternal life. Amen. Glory to God. That is what he's come to give us. Well, I've come to the end of my message. I can still preach another half an hour on that and share it with you. But I want you guys to to see the dimensions of what God's kingdom is. In my heart, I feel in 2018 that's coming. This is not a New Year's resolution. I don't believe in that. I can just see what I see for the Grace Church. What God has got 
installed for the church. And if you want to call it the Grace Church, I want to just focus on the Grace Church. Is that the Grace Church will start to understand the dimensions of the love of God. They will start to move away from just saying that God loves them the way they are. But the Grace Church in 2018 will start to see, and I don't see it as many, but here and there we'll start to see specks of it, and that will increase, of churches saying we're going to define the love of God outside of legalism. The problem that we've had is we've had in the grace people grab a hold of the grace message and then they wanted to produce the fruit and then they mixed law into it. Well, since you're in grace, you must do these good things. That's not the grace message. But now, since we are comfortable enough with the love of God, knowing that He's not going to dump us into works, He's not going to tell us to do things we cannot do, He's not going to condemn us, He's not going to bring guilt and shame upon us, but that He loves us unto a new life or unto His quality of life. As we are in that, we're going to start to see the love of God defined as God manifesting His kingdom in our lives. That's what it is all about. Where the beauty of the gospel will be the resurrection and the new life, the glorification in our understanding, the glorification in, 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 in our love towards people, being more kind, being more friendly, being more generous, not because we've now decided we're the Grace Church, now we're generous, but where you cannot help it. You know that God could basically not help Himself when He gave His Son. He could never not do that because of the love that there is in his heart. Yes, he has a choice, but he will always choose to give his son. Jesus will always choose to look at the joy that was set before him, which was you sharing in his quality of life, when he, and that causes, caused him to endure the cross. So that is what, that's our destiny, being the very image of God. You know, an image, if you go to an idol temple and there's an image of the God, that image is now uh, representing who and what that God is. And so now we are that image. And God has now made everything possible and by His Spirit in those that are willing, those that are willing to, they will have. You know, the other day I went to do an eye test. And um, <clears throat> so you sit there with that thing. I have to go there willingly. And as I willingly sit there, that lady with all her expertise tests my eyes and look into my eyes and everything. And then they make me a pair of glasses and then I can see again. So it is only for me to be willing. It's not for me to try and see now. We've, we thought that you go to the doctor, then you must heal yourself at the doctor's office. No. When you go to Dr. Jesus, it's his job to heal you. It's his job to make you holy. It's his job to bring his life forth in you since it is the only and the best life there is and only belongs to him. It's for him to share it with you and bring it forth in you. Amen. Glory to God. That's what I see for the church. So uh, church, in, in this year to come, we're going to hear about the extravagant love of God, which is so great that He brings forth His life in us, where we are set free from 
making business decisions, where we are setting free or setting free from the fear of making decisions in business because we're so afraid we're going to mess things up, where we are set free from fear when it comes to our children, fear, fear, fear about cancer, fear for this, fear for that, fear about where, where we really set free. We're going to talk about the dimensions of the love of God wherein we are open for Him to share that in us, and we're going to see that manifest in our lives. That's what I feel this, this coming year is going to start to take place and will continue until the return of Jesus Christ, and then forever. There's no end to this kingdom. Glory to God. Let us pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much for your love and your grace. I want to thank you, Lord, that you love people greatly. I want to thank you, Father, that as we go into 2018, we don't have we're not dealing with a weird God, but we're dealing with a loving Father that loves us, that cares for us, that embraces us. And thank you, Father, that in this year to come, that we can simply be ourselves in your presence. And we've got a God that is all, that's got all wisdom and all knowledge, and that we are simply trusting and relying upon Him, and that you bring forth eternal life in us. Father, this internet church, this ministry, everything we do here. We just want to acknowledge that it is yours to use, to spread your gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, wherein God comes to share his quality of life with us and where we can be open for it and actually share in it. For it's the only life that will last forever. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Well, I want to say to you, Happy New Year. And I trust that you guys are going to enjoy 2018. In 2018, I'm planning to travel uh, to the United States and uh, to Europe and also to some African countries. And uh, I know it's going to be a very busy year with a television station we also have and so forth. But I'm excited about the year and I will keep you guys updated um, about my whereabouts. And I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.